Welcome to the Starsology Astrology Podcast. I'm your host, Arwen O'Neill, and today I'm here with my friend, Katya, and we're going to be talking about Mercury Square Neptune. This is an aspect that is coming up, so this is part of our transit series, and it's also part of our aspect series because, as we always like to do, we talk about the transits, and then we talk about what this aspect is like in your chart, and then we give some celebrity examples. So, hi, Katya. Thanks for joining me. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Arwen. Yeah, so this time we're going to be talking about an aspect that's coming up January 8th, 2024, and Mercury is going to be at 25 degrees Sagittarius, and it will square Neptune at 25 Pisces. So before, we've talked about Mars and Venus aspects, and those are a little bit longer-lived li- longer aspects. Now we're going to be talking about a Mercury aspect, which is really only going to be effective like for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. But uh, what's happening is that Neptune, which is obviously a giant, you know, massive planet and really important, generationally speaking, it um, spends about 12 years in each sign. So its movements are, are massive. And anytime it makes an aspect to a personal planet or like, you know, the sun or Mercury or the moon or, or Venus or Mars, it's really important. So we're going to talk about how that is going to affect us in a transit and then what it looks like in your chart. We've never talked about this, uh, but where is Mercury right now? Oh, yeah. So Mercury is, um, well, it's actually obviously the closest planet to the sun. So it's never very far from the sun. It only will ever be in uh, either the same planet, uh, the same sign that the sun is in right now, or it's going to be one or uh, one before it or one after it. So if you're a Taurus, for example, you could only ever really have Mercury in either Taurus, Aries, or Gemini, because those are those are on you know one sign on either side. Mm. So Mercury is always very very close to the sun, and right now it is in Sagittarius. And here are some keywords for Mercury in Sagittarius. These are from our trusty Stephen Arroyo's mm. chart interpretation handbook. So he says they communicate openly, truthfully, optimistically, enthusiastically, and tolerantly. They have restless aspirations that propel them towards an ideal. And their thinking and reasoning are guided by long-term goals rather than mundane day-to-day details. They have an interest in teaching, and learning and teaching are very closely related for them. So they're lifelong students and natural teachers. Mm-hmm. And when I think about this placement, I think of my mother, who has mm-hmm. Mercury and Sagittarius. They strive to establish connections with others by being direct, truthful, and broad-minded. But coherent thinking can sometimes be blurred by their overgeneralizations, and these are motivated by their idealistic aspirations. So they might not be the most concrete thinkers or or the most direct, concise speakers, but uh, their their lofty ideals will will definitely be clear in the way they communicate. So it rules communication, rules the mind. Mercury, yeah, for sure, that's exactly right. So if you um, have such Sagitt- uh, Mercury and Sagittarius in your chart, those will be some characteristics to okay. to look out for. But right now we're talking about Mercury um, making a square to, uh, sorry, yeah, Neptune making a square to Mercury. And Neptune, of course, is a giant and very influential planet. And when it makes connections with inner planets, which Mercury definitely is, what it tends to do is kind of create this fuzzy dreamlike, like it lends an air of unreality to them. We talked previously about Neptune and Venus and what that does. And it, um, it that's the one where it was like this glamour and sort of the fuzzy, you know, Vaseline on the camera lens thing. Mm-hmm. So when when Neptune connects with uh, Mercury, especially a square aspect, which is one of the um, the challenging aspects, what it does is it creates kind of a, a really fuzzy sort of delusion, illusion effect, but with our communications, which is not always a great thing. 
Um, so sometimes this will be, oh, and also like I should say, Neptune, of course, is in Pisces and Pisces is, of course, the most Neptunian of all the signs. This is an ideal placement for science fiction, for spirituality, for visionary art, for mystical thinking, for wild hallucinogenic visions that will take you on a journey of mind expansion. But it's not so great for contract negotiations or getting to the point or understanding situations clearly. Mm, So details get lost in the sea of imagination. A (laughs) hundred percent. Exactly. Yeah. So for a couple of days, if you have contracts to negotiate or if you have, you know, business dealings and you really need everybody to understand exactly how you're feeling or, or what you're thinking and you want things to be ironed out and all the details to be, you know, totally crystal clear, mm-hmm. definitely maybe avoid doing it on, on January 8th or a couple of days oh, before or after if you can possibly avoid it. Mercury transiting square Neptune can distort your thinking. Uh, it can make discussions and, and communications confusing. It can compl- uh, complicate things because there's just this haze of sort of like unreality around everything. And uh, also Mercury is still going to be retrograde at this time. So that is yet another kind of complicating factor. It just happens to coincidentally be that Mercury is going to be still retrograde for a couple more days in early January. So yeah, the, the, the potential for confusion and deception and misunderstandings uh, is definitely huge at that point. So making arrangements may require extra negotiation, extra compromise that it sounds like there's a lot more communication heavy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And it's, it's funny because I mean, it says in all the, you know, the books and, and websites about this, that you should avoid being dishonest around the time. Well, you should always avoid being dishonest, but you know, <laughs> you're going to get away with it a lot less this time. <laughs> yeah, Or like. you'll get away with it more and then to everyone's detriment, oh, you know, no. that's the okay. thing you might even not even realize that you're, that you're misleading someone, but you mm. can, you can kind of find yourself getting carried away or becoming kind of paranoid or delusional. And before you even realize it, you're just spouting nonsense. Oh, no. Yeah. Like that's it's like a nonlinear thinking can kind of creep in. It can be good or bad because that can lead you to being able to like, you know, write amazing song lyrics or yeah. make, you know, beautiful connections that wouldn't occur to you normally. Yeah. I was um, just going to say, it must be great at creatively, but it's that, amazing. You know, it must creatively. be challenging distinguishing reality from for sure. metaphor or something like that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And bizarre conspiracy theories, strange beliefs can mm-hmm. can definitely sort of dominate the news at this point. Um, people who can you know harness this are you know going to definitely get a lot of attention, which is interesting. I mean, they do anyway. Oh, I see. <laughs> but but yeah, to look out for anyone who you know who you're talking to who might seem like kind of a bit of a trickster anyway. Take them with a grain of salt at this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And is this always at the end of the year or does this just happen to be close to the end of the year? Right. I mean, at this point, because Mercury is in Sagittarius around the same time that the sun is, so that would be like late November, early December. Mm-hmm. Um, that is usually when, I mean, that is always when Mercury is is in Sagittarius, but it's only going to be square Neptune because right now um, Neptune is in Pisces. So when Pisces, when when Neptune moves into um, Aries, which is going to be sometime, I think late next year. I could check that. That's <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a problem for another day. I'll but circle it's, back. Exactly, yeah. it's at twenty five right now, so it's got another five degrees to go. It's probably going to be another maybe year. What year are we in now? Oh yeah, so a Neptune takes twelve years to go through um, each sign. So right mm-hmm. now we're in like the a 10th year approximately. Mm-hmm. It moved into Pisces in 2011 and it will be moving into Aries in 2026. Amazing. 
And does that mean anything to us? Oh, it's huge. Yeah. yeah, it's one of the generational planets. Ooh. So it's, yeah, like Pluto moves approximately every 20 years on average. It's got an elliptical orbit. So it takes between like 12 or 13 years at the very shortest. And that's when it's in Scorpio, which is interesting because it rules Scorpio, but it's just coincidental. And then at the very wide end, it takes about 30 years to go through Taurus. So it's on average, it takes 20 years. So that's that's the real generational one is Pisces. But uh, but Neptune is like 12 years, and that's pretty long. I mean, yeah, that's it a, sounds you know, like it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A lot can change in 12 years. Uh, what does it look like in a chart or in someone's chart? Yeah. So it's interesting. This is one of those, it's a signature of creativity. And especially for music, it's really interesting how when you look at the celebrities, which we'll talk about in a minute, how many musicians and just, you know, really brilliant songwriters and mm-hmm. uh, and really creative um, sort of science fiction oriented people that, that, are, uh, that have this aspect. Uh, so it's great for poetry, for science fiction writing, for creative nonfiction. And, and also it's uh, there, there are some weird celebrities who <laughs> you may recognize as conspiracy theorists and uh, and potentially liars. Very famous. Some some of these. I'll <laughs> leave it up to you to discover which ones I possibly have labeled that way. The master of illusions. That's a phrase that came up when I was doing my research. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's the squares can obviously bring out the negative side as well. So not only do do people um, with this aspect have a lot of creativity, but they can also be involved with uh, fraud scandals and uh, substance abuse, alcohol abuse, the um, the aspect of the master of illusions, but also the master manipulator. Mm. So people with this aspect should try to keep their interactions with people as honest as possible and their communications as direct as possible. Because even though you may think you're being clear, they may not understand you. And misunderstandings can lead to deep insecurities and emotional pain for people with this aspect. And they can be very sensitive to, um, to criticism and rejection, unfortunately. Uh, I do have an interesting um, sort of quote, like a little bit of a longer quote here from the Aspects and Personality book, which I love to read from because uh, it's Karen Haymaker Zondag. It's a mouthful of a name. Uh, but she's got some wonderful insights here. And it's interesting because I actually have this aspect as well. And I like to think that it uh, gives me some creativity with words and art. But I also do hate to be misunderstood more than almost anything. So it, I, I really feel the um, the sort of empathy that she comes at this aspect with in her description. So she says, with the hard aspects, and that would be the square or the opposition, but we're talking about the square today. With the, the hard aspects between Mercury and Neptune, the danger is that when these people want to learn or to recount facts as objectively as possible, and that's that's one of the Mercury things is being objective and, and communicating, they will quite unconsciously color, undermine, blur, or change those facts, and that's because of the influence of Neptune. And this can this can harm the truth or or make a make light of the truth. And at worst, they can lead others astray or lead themselves astray. The tension between these aspects uh, shows that something is wrong somewhere. And often these te- these people become very tense in a way that gives gives a feeling of dissatisfaction and others' reactions to them can cause them to, in many cases, it's, it can be a good thing because you can always kind of be creative with facts, but at the same time, that's not a great thing if no, you're trying to communicate no. clearly. So they, they become disappointed sometimes over the uncertainty of communications and in the past, when it was easier to kind of go off the grid, this was often um, an aspect that was seen in hermits or people who would join monasteries or just mm-hmm. go off in a life of solitude because be communicating with people just became too frustrating or too sort of fraught with emotional baggage. And it says there's nothing wrong inherently with their impressions or feelings, 
um, but they're most likely to go astray in their interpretation of, of the facts. And one important thing to bear in mind is that when they try to say something, others will sometimes not catch what they mean, and they'll just be misunderstood even when they think they're communicating clearly. Mm-hmm. It's also a very creative and, and wonderful aspect, but uh, of course, with the swear, we're going to you know see more negative aspects that uh, that come up. And it says they are sometimes unable to distinguish between appearance and reality, and mm-hmm. that uh, that can mean that their their fruitful ideas be sort of tinged with this this sense of unreality sometimes. Oh, I see. So blurred boundaries clash with Mercury's clarity. That's that's not a good recipe. Yeah. Whether you mean it or not. Exactly. Yeah. And it's interesting. You really see with the celebrity examples. Get it. To, get to the celebrity examples here. Do it. Do it. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> exactly. So the first three that come up, which is hilarious, are Donald Trump, Mel Gibson, and Amber Heard. One of those already came to mind earlier. Uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. I'm not sure which one, but but yeah, I mean, and, and okay, let's focus on the positive here. Uh-huh. There's also Amy Winehouse, which, mm-hmm. you know, that's sort of a, a double-edged sword because clearly she, she, you know, the way she passed away was a very Neptunian kind of young and substances and alcohol and, and all that stuff. But creativity and amazing uh, songwriting that is sort of eternal. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Bowie. Just mm. like doing it right. Yes. <laughs> Completely. Bob Dylan, Jim Morrison, Miles Davis, Shania Twain, Erica Badu, Cheryl Crow, Jim Carrey. And one of my favorite examples of all is uh, Christopher Nolan, the visionary director of films such as Memento, Inception, Interstellar, Tenet, and the uh, recently Oscar winning Dunkirk. So he has this mind-bending metaphysical style. He often focuses on science fiction, and he's able to bring these absolutely hallucinogenic, crazy realities into mm-hmm. a way that you can actually believe what, that you're seeing something real on screen. Um, Interstellar was probably one of, one of my favorite science fiction movies. And Memento is like absolutely in my top 10 of all time. I yes, think. yeah. So doing it right. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So those are our celebrity examples. Um, right now, though, like, let's go back to talking about Sagittarius and Pisces, because this is a really interesting relationship between these two signs. They're, they're mutable signs. And anytime we have a square, we're going to be talking about one of the modalities. So any, any planets that are square are going to be either mutable or fixed or cardinal or whatever. They're, they're going to be in the same mode. So this is a mutable square. It's more compounding of that flexibility of thought. Because we're, you know, it's not fixed. It's not, uh, it's not cardinal. Mm-hmm. So there's this, um, you know, this flexibility that comes with Neptune already and Pisces, mm-hmm. and the the mutability of both of those signs is just all the more sort of watery and flowing and mm-hmm. kind of unreality. Uh, so it's re- we're really seeing a lot of these themes kind of get compounded mm-hmm. with this aspect. And where does Sagittarius fit into this? Because as far as I know, it seeks exploration of yeah. broad topics and more. It's like philosophical, spiritual, that, that phase. Totally. How does that relate to this? Yeah. I mean, I think that makes it a little bit easier maybe Oh, because I mean, or harder depending. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) mean, it really depends on, on the intention of your, and this is of course, you know, like, don't, don't be dishonest, all these, Mm -hmm. all these advice, you know, things, but, uh, but it's like, if you're already thinking in a visionary and and sort of mind expanding and all inclusive kind of global way, like maybe being a little bit influenced by Neptune and and having this kind of like visionary, you know, almost spiritual aspect to it mm-hmm. is actually going to bring 
about thoughts that wouldn't occur if you were just kind of going in a more linear fashion, like if you were just trying to sort of push through, let's say, in a more Capricorn fashion, which is the sign, of course, that follows Sagittarius, you're not going to get a lot of visionary, um, you know, like amazing, insightful sort of spiritual insights with with the Capricorn um, mindset, mm-hmm. you know, so maybe Sagittarius is, uh, is influenced by Pisces in a positive way, oh. that sure, there could be the, the, diso- the, the disillusion and the illusion and and all of that weird murky stuff. But mm-hmm. at the same time, maybe you don't have these beautiful sort of spiritual borderline hallucinogenic influences without some kind of, you know, sacrifice of, of the fact. Something to or, anchor it down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like maybe maybe there's always a, a bit of, a, you know, there's a bit of room for that in the world because otherwise it's just, you know, all Virgo thinking all the time, which yeah. is as a Virgo, I, I that would be terrible. I, <laughs> I wouldn't want a world that was, that was you know, all the way I think, you know, mm-hmm. I'm glad that there are uh, diversity. Yeah, yeah exactly. And people who are more imaginative and the, your Christopher Nolan types and your David Bowie mm-hmm. types. Because, so good know. time for fascinating conversations. Yeah. Um, probably excellent for brainstorming, but it seems like to channel it in a positive way, yeah. that would be more of uh, writing, singing, uh, yeah. creating fantasy artwork totally it, it just seems like it, it, it can be mind-bending and and or like that that's the, yeah. the heart of this sign i guess totally. or this uh this aspect yeah this aspect. for sure uh and that, that's really cool because so, so much uh beauty came out of that so yeah for all of us to enjoy absolutely so. yeah and just if you can you know put off like signing that contract or <laughs> yeah. negotiating that deal or going through your taxes if you can put that off for another couple weeks yeah. Uh, so yeah. after January 8th, that's where you can like sign those deals. I would say like after that. Mercury then gets out of its shadow phase. So mid-January. Okay. Yeah. And how does it feel on a personal level? Like, does it feel like, say we're not talking um, communication right. like, with another human being. Yeah. Uh, how would it feel to, um, to me? Like, uh, hmm. how, how would I feel it? Or does that complicate things based on all of my yeah <laughs> I mean well actually that is interesting stuff. because it really it always it always does depend on what your actual chart is mm. like if you have mercury in Sagittarius like like my mother for yeah. example you are probably going to notice this more yeah. because you are going to have Neptune square your mercury okay. it's not just mercury out there in the world uh-huh. right but since you, as a Taurus, I think you have Mercury in either Gemini or Taurus, and both of those are not going to be affected like as strongly by, oh, by okay. this. So they're they're gonna you'll you'll probably notice some stuff in the world, but I wouldn't say that you'll feel as as strongly as if it was touching something in your chart directly. Mm, yeah, interesting. Uh, I wonder. I guess uh, I'm just thinking like course um during that time and uh there is test component Mm. to it and there are times when i would read something and i'm like okay i just read it there's there's nothing that really comes out of it but i could read the exact same thing at a different time and suddenly something would be much more highlighted yeah and perhaps it's just more relevant to the current state i'm in oh yeah uh, i wonder if start to perceive things differently during those Absolutely. Uh, different times. Absolutely. So. Yeah. And that's really interesting, too, because these things just, it's almost like this huge clockwork. If you think about the Antikythera mechanism, that Greek uh, artifact that they found that was 
that was we've talked about this in the past, but it was it was able to map all of the different planets and all these different cycles. And it's just this massive connection of gears upon gears upon gears. I think they had like it was 30 some odd little different pieces that were layered on top of each other mm. that were in this incredibly genius way, like mimicking the, the movements of of different planets and different cycles and seasons and all this stuff. And if you think about that is going on at all times in the solar system around us, you know, like, and those things are somehow having this weird synergistic effect, synchronous aspect, you know, to, to our human functioning, Mm -hmm. um, that all of those things do sort of change the way we perceive things. And maybe if you were reading something that was a very sort of, you know, interesting, inspiring, visionary kind of passage of, of, you know, some text or some piece of poetry or, or, or you know, song lyrics, it would affect you differently on a different day, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, and, and yeah. one day it's just going to pop and be like, oh my God, wow, that's the most profound thing. And yeah. then another day you could read it and be like, oh, get it. You know, it's, yeah. it's too esoteric. I'm, it's not touching me. Oh, you know? I see. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know if this will affect me during this time in right. particular, but I guess I should be a little cautious not to get too wrapped up in uh, what's like valid teachings yeah. versus what's, you know, right. like maybe it's a not. time to, to like be inspired by, yeah. by things instead of being convinced. Oh yeah. 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 There we go. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, there's the takeaway in being inspired versus convinced. That's yeah. that's what we'll focus on for the couple of days around January 8th. Yeah, I like that. You're playing up the strengths and yeah. minimizing. Hey, I, I do have Mercury squared uh, Neptune yeah. in my chart. So <laughs> and of course, mine is like Mercury and Virgo squared to, um, mm-hmm. you know, um, Neptune and Sagittarius, which is a completely different, um, but also mutable. Yeah. So interestingly. Yeah. You know, so it's got a bit of an echo of what's going on today, but mm-hmm. uh, different generation, obviously. Oh. Well, that was a fun one. We should talk about Mercury again next time it makes a major aspect. We'll talk about uh, Neptune maybe in Saturn or something. Saturn Ooh. is like sort of the opposite of Neptune. So yes. next time. Uh, I'll yeah. wear all my rings. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> good one. I love me a good theme. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Saturn. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Arwen. This is so fun. Absolutely. We'll see you next time. Take care. Bye. Thanks so much for getting this far through the episode. I just want to take a moment to tell you about the two main options of my astrology services. So the first one is coaching. If you are an aspiring astrologer, and by that I mean someone who's perhaps a hobbyist astrologer or someone who's learning astrology or a student, or you've got a few books and you've been doing it for a while, but perhaps you need a little bit of help to bring it all together, then maybe getting some astrological coaching from me would be the answer for you. The astrology coaching I offer is a one-hour session on Zoom and it's tailored to answer your particular questions. For example, if you have issues with natal chart readings, we can go there. Or if you're having problems working with your forecasting, we can go there. Or even basic astrology stuff, or even getting yourself organized for your astrology business. The idea is that astrological coaching will answer your particular questions. It's tailored specifically to you and where you are in your astrological journey. And I'm happy to help you out with some guidance about how you can get going, what to focus on and what to dismiss. 
So that would be the astrological coaching for people trying to learn astrology. The second astrological service I offer is consultations. So this is for someone who perhaps doesn't know anything about astrology, but they just want to have their chart read or get their chart done. Call it what you will. So once more, this is a one-hour consultation over Zoom. I will interpret your chart, tell you about the main features, tell you about where the energy is flowing, and all the rest of what is entailed in a thorough natal chart interpretation. I can also add in some forecasting in there too, bearing in mind we only have one hour. So just in summary, I've got coaching for people who want to learn astrology, and I've got uh, consultations for those who want to get an astrology reading done. I'm Alison Price from Starsology.com. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.